Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. This is the live mailbag portion of the episode. But let's let's just get into, you know, this is this is a funny thing to me because, you know, there's a there's a lot of reasons to be mad at Derek Carr, I guess. Like if you don't like Derek Carr and you don't like how he's playing and you could criticize this and that and this and that, this text says free mind. And there's a couple of people in here who are saying the same thing. It says Carr be faking injuries, which you know, there are there are things to criticize Derek Carr about. Um, being tough is not one of them, right? Like Derek has been hit, right? These are real hits. These are brutal hits. Um, and you can say that he has a role in taking them, but the fact of the matter is, these are not these are not you know injuries that are just like oh poor baby, you know get him a. Get him a get him a water bottle and then walk it off kind of injuries. Like if you watch that hit, Bruce Irvin, I mean, drove him into the turf. It's the exact like that hit and the result of that hit is exactly why that's not a legal hit anymore. Like we'll watch NFL games and you'll see like a body weight tackle and they'll throw a penalty. It's fifteen yards and you're like, wow, that was soft, right? But but like that knocked Derek out of the game for good reason. Like he was hurt. He dealt with a rib injury, messed with his shoulder and he has a concussion. You know, like those are the type of hits that the NFL wants to get rid of because of that. You know, he took a huge hit against the Packers and and he went out with that shoulder injury. He actually didn't have a concussion in that game. And then he took another huge hit against the Vikings and that was a legal hit. I think that was Daniel Hunter. Might be wrong. And you could watch, go watch that hit back. You can see his head just snap back and so, you know, like, again, I don't think the issue is is like, man, he's not tough enough. I think, you know, at a certain point, you have to protect him from himself, right? Like, you have to say, no, you are not playing at a high enough level, and the injuries are playing a factor in that. It can't just be Derek says he's cool to play, so we're going to play him. There's got to be more to that conversation. And that's why DA kind of shutting that whole idea down immediately after the game felt weird. Because it's like, no, you, you're, the health of your starting quarterback, the health of, of this person should be important. That should be a topic of conversation, not just it's a difference. Anyway, so no, I don't think Derek's faking anything. I think Derek is just as frustrated as everybody else in terms of, man, he's not a guy who gets hurt. Like he's only missed a handful of games in his NFL career um, due to injury. And, and, you know, 
I guess he hasn't technically missed a game yet this season due to injury. He's just missed a majority of the second half in 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 multiple games, in three different games. And so, you know, that 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 counts uh in Derek's mind, and it counts in my mind as well. Uh Trap 504 says that's crazy. Derek is already back at practice. Dude must be a mutant. Uh, I don't know if he's a mutant, but you know, again, you know, he's he's not a guy who's gonna who's gonna sit out unless you know you make him. Uh, and the and, and that's and that's my question is is he going to if he is healthy if he does clear the concussion protocol, are you putting a guy out there who can play at high enough level to have success, or are you just kind of caving to the whims of a guy who is too proud to not play a football game? You know, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a team doctor. I don't get to watch the full practices. What I will say is that, you know, he didn't look like a guy who, you know, he he, he didn't, he, the limitations aren't obvious. Like you're not, you know, it's, but it was the same thing in week four. You know, I watched him prior to the game and he was throwing fastballs. Like you could see he had the, the arm was there, but you, then you watch the game and you're like, you know, some of these throws are just, you know, you can see where the where the shoulder is probably having an effect. And he's been dealing with this all season. I don't know how much of this season you can look at and say, well, the shoulder is affecting him in these certain areas. Like, I don't know. All I know is that you don't go out with the same injury three times and have it be, well, that wasn't affecting him prior, right? Like, this is an injury that he has been dealing with all year. Whether he can play through it, and whether it's there are two different questions. Um, and so that's just something you're going to have to watch. Uh, Snakebite says, I think he should sit out. And that's fair. Um, we'll, we'll see. The dark side. I think this is a Raiders uh, a Raiders fan who who's here, uh, which cool. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. He says, Carr is two for two on TDs to Jimmy in the red zone. The problem is that the first TD was in week three. And for some reason, Pete hasn't used Jimmy in the red zone for eight straight weeks until week 13. Ch- guys, I'm on board. I agree. I think it's ridiculous. And, we, you know, it's like we've asked this question. Why isn't Jimmy Graham used more? Right? And, and there's just no answer. I don't, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, there, there's another one in here that says, you know, it probably has something to do with an injury. There's no injury. Jimmy's not dealing with an injury. Jimmy is perfectly fine. He's just not playing. I, it's inexplicable. I don't understand it. Um, but, you know, it's even in that game, he only played three snaps. Uh, he got a touchdown. I think it's just like they have a very limited package for what they're going to do with Jimmy Graham throughout a game. And you go through the calculus of every week, okay, we can only have 48 players active. And every week you're making some sort of difficult decision in terms of, okay, who are we making inactive versus who are we not? And you're looking at it and saying, well, this guy contributes on special teams, right? This is a backup linebacker. We need the backup. Li- this is a backup running back. We need to, what, what happens when the running back? And then inevitably you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, Jimmy's only going to do these very specific things. So if we're having someone be inactive, that's who it's going to be, right? And, you know, there are points throughout a season where you look at the inactive list and it's, it's five to seven injured players. You're not talking about, okay, pick one or the other. And the Saints, throughout much of this season, have had pretty good health. And you haven't had injured players completely filling up the inactives. This past week, you pretty much did. Like You're talking about Nick Saldaveri, guys like that, and then injured players. And that's how Jimmy got on the field. So 
We'll see. I mean, what I will say for that game is like Jimmy was only used once, but they did do a very good job in the red zone in that game. One thing that DA talked about that I think is actually a good point. And, you know, DA, a lot of times will just say stuff, but and occasionally you'll get a coaching point that kind of filters through that no one asked for that actually is an interesting thing, which in this case, it's that the Saints kind of identified as they looked at the red zone that when they're struggling in the red zone, when they're struggling to convert in the red zone, it's because they get kind of bogged down from the 20 to the five, right? But when you go inside the five and you look at their success rate, once you get inside the five, it's very high. They've done a very good job. This is a team that when you're in the red zone is has been effective in short yardage, whether that's Taysom Hill, whether that's Tony Jones Jr., right? Whether that's Alvin Kamara, that's where you've scored the bulk of your red zone touchdowns. And so you look at how week 13 went, right? Well, what is the common denominator outside of that Jimmy, Jimmy Graham touchdown? That was, I'd have to look, but it was not from inside the five, right? But the other three touchdowns, right, was two Alvin Kamara runs and a Taysom Hill run. They were all one, two, I think two of them were one-yard touchdown runs. One of them was a two-yard touchdown run, right? And so it's like you're trying to find the solution to how you get better in the red zone. And I do think that that's a good coaching point. And, and it's something that it's like, you could say, well, yeah, it's obvious. Get inside the five. Everyone wants to be inside the five, but you look at how they operated in the red zone in the games. They struggled in the red zone. Go look at the Jags game when they had a chance to go score a touchdown and tie the game. And they had four shots at it. You know where they took those shots from the six, right? In the Texans game. They had it inside the red zone. Uh, you know, it might have been the 24 yard line. I can't remember. But like they were at the fringe of the red zone. And instead of trying to get close and get to the goal line and finish it off, they were going for it all on every play. And to me, that's an adjustment that you make that is actually effective. So, like, I think as you look at it and as you see this offense try to adjust to that, I think that was a good adjustment. And I think it's a good observation. And, you know, as long as you can take advantage of it, that's great. And if you can continue to make life miserable on teams at the goal line, I'm okay with it, right? So anyway, like I thought the red zone that like you you look at things from this game, this this awful, no good, very bad game where you went down 21 nothing and everything seemed terrible. And so what are you pulling out of that? Well, going forward, if you can be as efficient in the red zone or even you know, not not even 100%. If you can be 75% or 50% in the red zone, you win a lot more of these games. You beat the Falcons if you're 50% in the red zone. So that's kind of what you're looking at. And this team knows that if it can win its final five games, you get to 10 wins. And so you look at it. Now, I don't know why you would assume they'd win their final five games, but that's how this team is going to operate. They're not going to look at it and say, well, we're done. We can't get anywhere. They're looking at it and saying, okay, we figured something out here and let's continue to, to get better at it. The issue is, you know, you lost your quarterback. So there's only so much, so much you can do there. Uh, Jerry G says, start Jameis or Jake. And, you know, I do think it's interesting in terms of, you know, I don't think they're considering starting Jake Hayner right now. And I think that's fair because, you know, like Jameis has been there. And if you are looking to start somebody, it should be the guy who you brought in to start meaningful games. If these games stop being meaningful, if you lose to the Panthers and you lose to and, and, and you know, suddenly you're two games back of the Falcons without the tiebreaker in hand. 
I think it's time to play for the future. And, you know, I talked about it on Monday. I'm pro- I was probably premature in the, in the idea of like, okay, week 13, week 14, this is when you should start doing that. But at a certain point you have to, um, but right now I don't get the indication at, at anywhere that they're, they're considering starting Jake Hayner. Uh, maybe, maybe someday, but not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something they're really looking at this week. KD says, if we had better coaching, they'd either put Carr in better position to win, like more play action, or they would just start somebody else. Yeah, I mean, the the play action, it, it's funny because when you talk to Pete, you ask him what is kind of the one of the, what is one of the founding principles of this offense? And he will tell you play action and and play fakes. And they just don't do it very often. Part of that is they have not been able to establish the run in order to do it. You know, like running a play fake just to run a play fake isn't really that beneficial if no one's going for the play fake. Right when you're down 21 nothing, I don't think the 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 Lions are going to be like, "Oh yes, we got to sell out to stop the run," right? So your play fake really isn't having much effect. But no, I do think that 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 is something that they that they should look at um, in terms of just doing it doing it more frequently and and more effectively. Goonie 300 says AK 41 injuries say a lot about coaching. I, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I just think Alvin Kamara is a guy who's going to tell you how, what he feels and he's going to be honest with you regardless of, of how that makes other people appear, you know? And I don't say that as a, I don't say that as a negative. I say that it's like, you just have to appreciate, like you have to understand what he's saying and understand where it's coming from. And it's, it's, and it's like, I have never gotten the impression from Alvin that he is kind of sub commenting, if you will, like you're talking about subtweeting that Alvin is trying to sub undermine what other, what the coaches are doing. People like to infer that upon his statements. And to me, it's all coming from a positive place. It's coming from a, everyone's pulling in the same direction kind of place, but he's just so blunt about it that people take it to take it to another level. Like then like, Chris Olave was asked if the if the bullet booing was warranted in the game, and he kind of had this smirk on his face. And I've said this before, like the amateur behavioral psychology on Twitter is so annoying um, because it's like you don't know. You're just people are like, "Ooh, he must think that it was." And he responded, "He was like, I just didn't know what you meant by warranted. <laughs> he didn't know what it meant, and so like he was just awkward, and he and he smiled in that moment, uh, and so." Like I, I get tired of that. Like, listen to what they are saying. Don't pretend to understand what the body language means. Either you like, if, like I, I don't know why why I get so annoyed by that. But it's just like, either someone says something or they don't. The idea that you know that they're thinking something else because they make a face or it takes them a second to answer a question. That's just like that's so toxic. It really is. David GRG says, just just bashing Derek is not fair. My point would be coaching where DA has failed many times to hold people accountable. Wherever Derek has been hurt, we have lost that game. Yeah, well, I I will say like, you know, the two games Derek got hurt and they lost. I wouldn't put that on Jameis. I would put that on you were in a hole and, you know, there's only so much you can expect a backup quarterback to be able to do. I don't think that he that Jameis necessarily put his best foot forward in 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 certain elements of those games, right? Like those, 
he I thought he he had a really nice start against the Vikings, but then there was just two really bad interceptions that you know kind of eliminated your opportunities to come back there. Right, you had two interceptions in the final four minutes of that game. That yeah, that can't happen, right? So, like, while I'm not gonna put that, in, that he's he's not the reason they were down 21 points, 24 points, right? So I'm not blaming him for not being able to come all the way back from that because you basically right off the game at that point. The fact that they even had a chance was because he made some really really spectacular plays in that game. The only one I'll put on him to an extent of like. Man, one drive, one effective drive, and you put this game away as the Packers game, right? Like that's a game you should have won, and you and but you you just you weren't able to do it, right? Like you weren't able to create offense. And yeah, I, like I get it, Blake Griffey missed that field goal at the end, but you know that was after you allowed the Packers to score eighteen points without any interference. So I don't know. Like I do think the coaching at that point, like the whole idea of keeping Jameis was just so that he could go in and. And you know you wouldn't miss a beat, but it doesn't seem like, like 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 it seems like the offense sputters in a lot of ways. Not just with Jameis, not just with Jameis in the game. Like it seems like the strategies that go into it, like the play calling, is weird. Like it's like you, it doesn't seem like there's a plan when Jameis goes in. And that's not a, like a dig on Jameis. It's a dig on the coaching. It's a dig on the play calling. It seems like they're just like Derek goes out and Jameis goes in, and they're just like, oh shit, we're done. You know, let's let's wave the white flag. We're just going to run these, you know, kind of vanilla vanilla designs, and maybe we'll get lucky. Um, anyway, that's like personally, you had plenty of time in that game. Like that, that's what annoyed. Like it didn't the passes didn't necessarily annoy me because you knew Jameis was coming in cold, right? You knew that he wasn't going to be, you know, like on perfect sync synchronization with his receivers because he doesn't work with them in the week. Like this is not a you know, this is not a situation where you're splitting reps in practice. Derek gets the, like the QB1 gets the reps. So you're not, there's, there's not a ton of rapport there, but you were running the ball. Like you, you were running it down their throat. Why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? Like you, <laughs> you, you had a positive play on first down and then you threw the ball three times from the 40. Like you could have run it all the way down the field. I wanted them to run it all the way down the field. I wanted them to burn the clock down because I didn't want to hand the ball back to the Lions with a score. But for some reason, you you get into second second and six, and you make an incompletion. Then suddenly, running is not an option. But that's four downs, so you should. It's and you can make the same argument against the Vikings that like the play calling did not adjust to this scenario of the game the way it should have. And I think the same thing happened there, where you just didn't. You, you know, you got into your own head, and you're like, "Well, you got to throw it." No, you don't. Run the damn ball. Anyway. So we can uh, we can we can continue. Oh crap, Jeff, be real on Jameis. Kivo says, what, "What are you talking about?" I mean, I think Jameis didn't play particularly well in that game. But again, it's like your backup goes in, and you need to <laughs> you, you need to play in a way that accentuates what he does well, not asks him to do stuff <laughs> that he might not be able to do. Um, and it's like you have a running game that has worked and been effective. Like run the ball and then and then hit him with a hard play action, right? Like if you don't, anyway. Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The play calling is very, uh, very, very questionable a lot of the time. Let's get to one more question here, one more good question, and then we will we will get on out of here. That's Kivo. The media got a let off car. You know, I I do think that that the the 
focus on Derek being not being good enough is probably missing the larger picture of like what 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 did you expect to see versus what is happening right like what what did you expect to be different in terms of using playmakers in terms of the offense and you know i i do think that he has played well in at points and he has been inconsistent and the problem is that's kind of been the story of his career and it was the story of that game it was the story of week week 13 right like you saw a guy who you know there was a couple drops, right? There was a, there, there, it wasn't perfect, but you also didn't see a guy make plays. Like, like again, like I think being hypercritical of the AT Perry miss in terms of not throwing it to a wide open receiver and checking it down to the tight end. I think the idea that that's a problem is probably overplayed, but it's, it's also, it's also not, it's just not playing quarterback at a high level in that moment. And I just think there's a lot of points in the game where you see that, but then you, you get into the second quarter and he locks in and suddenly, you know, you're, you're, he's throwing dimes. Like there were a couple throws in that game. You go back and you look at him like, that's a freaking dime. Like that's a great throw. Um, like he made one to, to Foster. I think it was Foster Morrow. Maybe it was A.T. Perry. There was a couple, you know, third and long conversions that you just laid it in into the second level. And you're just like, okay, where has that been? And I don't know, like, that's the only reason I look at it. And I'm like, well, maybe you should boom more off it. Cause like, whether he wants to admit it or not, I think it kind of like, I think it, I think it got something. I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's the type of guy who, who operates at a higher level when he feels like people are, people are, are shitting on him, right? Who people are not, you know, when he wants to prove people wrong. I, I genuinely do. I just think that that's, you know, that's just how some people are wired, you know? So maybe, maybe, maybe being mean to him is the answer. Maybe DA needs to be mean to him. Tim Fabenro says, preach it, Jeff. How can you, how real can you be with these coaches? How do you as a pro journalist come up with better strategy than NFL offensive coaches? Trust me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm full of shit. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not that difficult to look back in hindsight and say, you should have done this. Right. <laughs> like you, like it, that's an easy thing to do. That's the easiest analysis in the world is, well, that didn't work. You should have done something else. <laughs> right. So like, I don't, I, I like, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have any idea of how to, how to scheme and, and come up with a game plan. Um, and you know, but at a certain point you just need to do this, the common sense things like run the ball. And I feel like at times offensive coordinators and Mark Slareth said this. We played Mark Slareth's audio, um, I think last week, maybe maybe two weeks ago. I can't remember, but he talked about this too. It's like I think offensive coordinators at points try to overcomplicate things because they're like, "Well, I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm supposed to be smarter than them. I'm supposed to come up with these these complex plans to 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 fool the defense and to to get guys wide open for huge plays." And sometimes the best answer is just run the freaking ball. <laughs> just run the ball. Run the ball. Kiva says, what if the game plan was to involve Juwan early? You know, that, that is a good point. And I think that's like, okay, what is the progression there is what should be being asked. Like, do you bail on a progression because the coverage busts somewhere that is not in the progression, right? Because the deep over comes open. Do you bail on the progression? And so I don't know what the progression was. And they're never going to tell us what the progression was. But I do think that is a play where you are like it was it is designed for Jawan to block and then leak across the formation. And that's a play that works. Like I love that play. And whether 
you should have bailed on it and gone to something else. That is the design for Jawan to leak out. And you've seen that. Like, I think go back to the, the Saints Jaguars game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. So this is 2019. Jared Cook does that for like a 35 yard gain, right? Like he just blocks, leaks out. You find him in the flat and he, and he runs. Now, this play probably did, wasn't as high yield as that because of the defense, because the defense, the strength of the defense was that, was where you were going. And the weakness of the defense was where you didn't go. But it's the first play of the game. You don't know exactly how they're going to come out and approach that that scheme, that defense. So I think if you, probably if you saw that in the second quarter, in the third quarter, you do go to A.T. Perry. You know, so I think that that's probably undersold. It's just, you know, every, you're looking for a reason. You're looking for reasons to to say this quarterback hasn't done a good enough job. And frankly, there are a lot of of things you can point to. And Derek has given people way too many excuses. But I do agree. I think that there is never enough nuance in the conversation of, okay, not perfect, right? I think like this is kind of how I approach it. So you want to grade decisions. And this is how like teams do it. They give grades. They don't they don't say, well, you you fuck this up, you fuck that up. No, they give you a grade and they grade your decision making and they and they they look at missed opportunities. Did you go through the progression the right way? Did you make the right read? And so, like, I think when you look at that, you're like, okay, there is an A-plus decision here. Not every play is going to have an A-plus decision. Some are just going to have B decisions, C decisions. But this is an A-plus decision to, to throw to A.T. Perry wide open, right, as he comes and he, as they bust the coverage and he comes open. Now, throwing to Juwan isn't an F decision. That's the probably the B decision. That's probably like, you know, you, 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 you took – the secondary option that was not the best option, but it's still a positive option. It's not a D option. It's not a mistake. It's just a lower yield option. And so that's where I think people get frustrated is you're not, you don't seem to be getting the A plus decision when there's an A plus decision to be made. You end up getting the B decision or the, or the B minus decision where it's instead of a potential 20 yard gain, it's a four yard gain. It's three yards in a cloud of dust. Like Jawan wasn't going to break that for 20 yards, but it's probably a five yard gain on first down. And the problem is that's what you seem to be getting way too often when you're getting soft coverages and you're getting opportunities. So to me, that's kind of where I look at it and say, I want my quarterback to be able to find that A plus decision. I need him to be able to find that A plus decision when there's an A plus decision to be made. And in that case, there was. And it wasn't made. So that's the frustration for me. But again, it's not as simple as saying, well, this guy sucks. He can't get it done. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks who, who, do this, who, who do that sort of thing, who, who don't make the perfect throw, who don't make the perfect read. You know, and if, if like a perfect quarterback, you know, if you, if you can f- get your hands on a Pat Mahomes, right? if you can get your hands on a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, you you take what you could get, <laughs> right? And you try to win football games. You try to win as many football games as you can. That's kind of where the Saints are at right now. But all right, I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone uh, for for checking it out. If you like what you see, if you want to hear more, go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Again, just search Inside Black and Gold. We're on all the players. You'll find us. Um, if you haven't subscribed here, go ahead and do that. Ring the bell. Appreciate all y'all. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. And uh, yeah, uh, if you have any questions, comments you want us to get to in a podcast, feel free. We're going to have an, another episode coming at you on Friday morning. Going to get into, you know, we talked to a lot of the players about all the about the booing. And I have some strong opinions 
on that. And we, we can get into more of that. Um, in the Friday episode, we're going to hear from Mickey Loomis, who had some really weird things to say about the Lions fans being in the building and why he thinks that is. And so we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and then we'll have uh, a, a Panthers reporter come in and kind of give us the lowdown on what's been going on. So make sure to stay tuned for that episode. As always, again, thanks everyone for tuning in. Appreciate everyone who watches, everyone who leaves the comments, everyone who leaves a comment. Um, it's it's very you know it always amazes me how many people show up and, and engage in these things because I, I enjoy doing them so it's nice to get that interaction so appreciate y'all I'm talking to you later in the week who that go saints easy y'all peace. peace.